is a talk on order and the heroic minute. And some of you who have me for formation may already have heard me speak about order uh, on many different occasions and different ways. The first point I want to make to you though is that speaking about order in your spiritual life isn't just about time management. It's not just um, you know, like your secular self-help books that you might get on Amazon or wherever, that this is how to make best use of your time. Yes, that's kind of part of it, but it's not the same thing. It's doing it for God. It's seeing that God wants me to make use of my time. God wants me to arrange my day in a certain way. So order in my life, best use of my time, organization of myself, not for my sake, not for my boss's sake, but for God's sake. And at the risk of repeating what I'd have said in other contexts, um, this is part of St. Josemaria's vision of an ordinary way to holiness. So I think I made the point to you in my first talk on sanctifying ordinary life, that there are ordinary saints and there are extraordinary saints. There are ordinary ways to holiness and extraordinary ways to holiness. So we do find, you know, the most famous saints are the extraordinary, um, those who work miracles like St. Joseph of Cupertino, levitating, being the patron of Pilots, um, St. Alexandria de Costa who ate the Eucharist for 13 years and nothing else. Um, these are not good role models, you know? You say, oh, well, I'm gonna be a saint, therefore I'll start levitating. Well, no. Um, we need ordinary saints who map out for us ordinary paths to holiness. As St. Francis de Sales puts it, some saints are more to be admired than imitated. And I think St. Josemaria, possibly more than anybody, is the example of this super ordinary in, in a sense, the outside manifestations, um, teaching an ordinary path to holiness. So he had no visions, worked no miracles, except after his death, you know, you need to work miracles for canonization. So an ordinary path to holiness. So with this, this question of order, we need to be clear in our minds, God cares about the details of our life. So if we're gonna sanctify your life, you have gotta sanctify the bits, the ordinary moments, the ordinary things, that God made the ordinary things. And he wants those ordinary things done well, done extraordinarily well. So where to begin this? Um, well, all ordinary things, small things. So St. Josemaria focused on small things to identify little tools that if we get those right, have an effect on the whole rest of the day. So he founded his organization Opus Dei in the midst of the Spanish Civil War. Um, and like any war, it was a time of drama, a time of heroes. Uh, and he asked the question, when is it that heroes are made? And he has this thing, uh, the phrase 
widely used now, the heroic minute. What's the moment of the day when heroes are made? It's that first moment of the day. The alarm clock goes off, how do you respond? That first moment of the day, get it right. Does the alarm clock go off and I wait for the snooze and then the next snooze? Or does the alarm clock go off and I respond immediately? I respond like a hero. I respond with a first moment of victory. Um, I guess most of us have, yeah, you know that famous commencement speech uh, that was make your bed? Um, you know, just, he says, start your day with a simple task that you've done well, that you know for the rest of the day, whatever else happens, I did that well. Um, similar thing with the heroic minute. Start your day with a moment of victory, um, and that will carry you forward for everything else. So the, the hero is manifested in dramatic moments in life, a hero is made in the little moments of life. And so the heroic minute to start your day, how do you respond to the alarm? So is my day about self-comfort? So I'm staying in the bed another five minutes. Or is my day about battle, pushing myself, being generous, that first moment. So the practice is an opus day. Um, the alarm goes off, you get out of bed, um, you kneel down and you kiss the floor in an act of service and you say, I will serve. Either in Latin for that is serviam. Um, so that's been my practice for many years. Um, Am I living for myself or am I living for others? Am I living for service? My first words, kiss the floor, I will serve. That's what today's going to be about. So that's all the heroic minutes. The bigger part of this talk, order. Now what does the word order mean? What's it about? Well, it's about the relationship of different things to other things. The word order um, has its origin in the Greek word orthos, meaning right, correct. So what's the correct relationship between the different bits that characterize my life and my day? So St. Thomas Aquinas, he says, it is impossible to put things, to put various things in order without knowing the relation and the proportion among them. And with regard to something higher, which is their end, because the order of various things in relation to one another depends on their order in relation to their end. Another way, just where's everything going? Where, where does it fit? the different parts of my day, if I'm going to do them right, I've got to think, how should they be ordered? Not just how are things being kind of thrown at me during the day, what should they look like? If I'm going to 
put them in order, what should be bigger, what should be smaller, what should come first, what, should, what could come second, what is the relationship of those things in the ultimate end of what in my particular life things should be striving for. So the relationship of the parts. Now the rector last year gave us a talk on leisure, holy leisure. And a line he used in that that I've quoted to seminarians many times since, he said, aim for order, not balance. So in the context he was talking about between rest and work, um, that there's a way of thinking of that that talks about balance, as if it's just opposites. Whereas order is asking a different question. It's saying, how do things relate? What's the purpose of my rest? What's the purpose of my order, uh, of my leisure? What's the purpose of my work? That there's a goal in all these things. If I understand what it's aiming for, then I know how to prioritize that over that or when to do that rather than that, how much time to give to that rather than that. Order is a more useful question than balance. Balance really only answers the question of kind of quantity and it puts things in opposition to each other rather than realizing actually maybe both of these together work to a different goal. Um, Okay, so I'll come back in a minute. How do you order things? Um, but just a, a quote from St. Josemaria about gaining time when we do this. He says, when you bring order into your life, your time will multiply. And then you'll be able to give God more glory by working more in his service. A disorganized person ends up wasting lots of time. A disorganized person half starts a thousand things. An organized, ordered life doesn't lose things, lose effort, lose time. It's all being put to good use. Um, and in our context here, for God. So when you bring order to your life, your time will multiply. Okay, so we've got three things here about ordering. First, time. So at the risk of stating the obvious, time, we should use our day well. The day, who does the day belong to? It belongs to God. It doesn't belong to me. If I live my life as if my time was mine and that I'm kind of uh, living for my rest, my, that's the really important thing. That's what my goal of the entire day is striving for is whatever best of me time I've got. That's not what life is. My day belongs to God. My time belongs to God. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a depriving me of something. That's a good thing. Um, but if my time belongs to God, how am I going to use it? Um, so, order, planning. Magic word, 
um, was in the description of today's talk in the uh, eye on the calendar hinges. Um, St. Josemaria uses this word hinges in terms of planning your life, ordering your life, ordering your day. So what is a hinge on a door? A hinge is a very small little thing, but the whole huge door swings around it and swings easily. You know, we don't walk through doors and marvel at how the entire door, um, it just works so well, hinges. I mean, whoever first thought of hinges, yeah? But whoever they were, genius. Um, <laughs> the point is, there are small things in your life that you can hinge a huge amount of activity around. If we, the hinges, but is fixed. The hinge doesn't move, it stays put. What are the bits of your life of your day that stay put, that you can easily build something on top of time-wise, sequentially, so that, well, that's going to be fixed. There's this thing in my life that I want to also be fixed. I join it to that, and I've got a ready moment when it can happen. And maybe something to that as well, so that I put things together around the fixed points of my life. When you're in seminary, the seminary schedule gives you, more than the parish will do, a lot of fixed points. But you can still, when you're a pastor, create certain fixed points. So I would put certain fixed points around my lunchtime and my dinner, even though in a parish context, those two, the time of them shifted I would have things that I would work around them. So my spiritual reading before I would eat and so forth. That the, the meal, a fixed moment, I'll join something to that to make sure it happens. Okay, two simple examples. Um, I'm gonna put this in a pastoral context. Back when I was a pastor, two examples for myself. Um, first, going to bed. Um, seems too boring to be important, but so much of life, if you don't get a good night's sleep, uh, you don't work well the next day, you don't go to bed in the right frame, you don't sleep well, how do I get that time right? Okay, so think about my life, know when I'm gonna wake up because of when mass is in the morning. In the parish I was in, I figured I need to go to bed at 10 o'clock. What hint, that's going to be my fixed hinge. What do I need to build around? Well, I need to brush my teeth then at 9.50. I need to turn out the lights downstairs at 9.45. I need to say Compline in the church at 9.30. I need to font, therefore finish watching any TV or reading a novel. I need to finish that TV by 9.30. Therefore, if I've come in from a parish meeting, I can't start a 40-minute program at 9 o'clock and finish at 9.30. If I know all those other things that are kind of fixed in my day and that I know how long they take, I can map them out and realize other things that necessarily follow. So that I can realize in the living out of my day okay, I've got a choice now. Am I going to start that 40-minute TV program or not? If I do, it's going to knock out 
the rest of what I know I've chosen, that's the routine I know I need to have for a balanced, ordered, not balanced, ordered, <laughs> uh, ordered life. It's a very unexciting example. Your nighttime routine has a whole bunch of things you can structure around that as part of giving your day to God, the hinge. Different example I use for myself uh, with evenings. So I used to, when I was in England, in a parish there, on a Tuesday, Wednesday, I would go to the, uh, to the seminary and teach there. And I'd come back, it would always be about 5.30 by the time I'd get back. Now that meant I knew there was a very limited number of tasks I could start in the evening and finish if I knew it was 5.30. So as a bit more fluid as a bit of order, but I would just know I can't start huge tasks when I get back from the seminary. So I would have some tasks that I would know would be kind of doable, but that was a thing of order. I know I've got a block of time when I get back from the seminary, but it's not a huge block. Order, using it well, thinking what can I put in there. I'd also know I'd have a certain amount of mental energy when I was back, which wasn't much, uh, given what I'd have done that day. Um, so what I would do then, structured around, hinged around the other things in my life. I knew that 5.30 back from the seminary was kind of a regular point. So first part of order, time thinking what are the hinges time-wise that I can move things around, hinge things around. Second, priorities. So in your daily schedule, your weekly schedule, um, think about what takes priority over what. So for a layman, duties to God, duties to family, professional work, there is a priority of what's more important than whatever else. For a priest, my duties to God in prayer, that comes first. What's the most important thing I'm going to do today as a priest? I'm going to offer Mass. I'm going to pray. I'm a priest. My duties to my parish and the school in my parish. So I've got a letter of appointment from my bishop. This tells me what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not up for me to decide what I'm supposed to be doing. It says, my letter of appointment, what are the priorities I've got? So if you're a pastor, in all likelihood, you'll be, it'll say, I'm appointing you to this parish with this school. It will indicate your priorities to you. So thinking for myself right here, um, I think you all know I'm going to be going to Alaska again on a summer camp um, next summer. So I've got talks to prepare for that. I've got sermons even looking ahead I can be mapping out and planning. That's much more interesting than the lectures I've got to work on for you here. Yeah? Uh, but what is my assignment? My assignment in obedience from my bishop, I'm here. The Alaska thing is very exciting, but that's some little optional extra. When I'm prioritizing my life, what have I been sent to do? 
So even within things that are good apostolic works, what have I been sent to do? Okay, back to the parish. Um, even within the parish, there's an infinite number of things you can be doing. To list those, prioritize those in terms of what takes priority over whatever else. So the priesthood, per se, is ordered to the Mass and the sacraments. Being a pastor, the one that phrases with care of souls, that, according to the Church, is ordered primarily to preaching and teaching and evangelization. And these are things that most pastors, if we're honest, somehow think they'll get around to and squeeze in around the other things. Whereas the Church lists those as first on your priority list. So if we quoted from the Second Vatican Council in its decree on the priesthood, it said, priests have the primary duty of proclaiming the gospel. Um, a few encyclicals on the priesthood from the, second, uh, of the 20th century. Um, Pius X quotes the Council of Trent, which says that treating the duties of the pastors of souls First and foremost is the work of instructing the faithful, teaching. Elsewhere, two chief obligations have been imposed by the Council of Trent on those who have care for souls. First, preaching. Second, teaching the faith to the youth. What you're going to do in the parish, what is more important? ordering your life, ordering your day, you've got to think what is more important, not what is being thrust in your face by the person who's saying, will you do this? What's more important? Um, and the danger as a priest, as for a seminarian, is you give too much time to certain tasks, you give too much time to the things you enjoy, and undue time to the things somehow, with a disordered sense, grab your attention. But they're not if you sit back and think theologically, canonically, what am I supposed to be like and doing in my life? So I'd suggest to you, as a priest and as a seminarian, specify what your regular duties are in the different categories of your life. Um, why you would be doing them, in terms of what relates to what, what is more important than what. And then it will kind of become obvious how to prioritize those in the questionable order. Last thing, this is a, a very St. Jose Maria thing, order in things. So if you go to an Opus Dei residence, you will see things are always tidy. Uh, St. Josemaria had a thing about tidiness and order. St. Josemaria famously said that it was enough for him to see the wardrobe of a person in order to know how that person's interior life was going. That if you look in someone's wardrobe and it's an utter mess, they're very unlikely to have a perfectly ordered, stable, tidy um, interior life. Um,
Lots of books about stress and about sleep um, tell us that if you want to sleep well, your bedroom should be a place that is tidy and ordered and free of clutter. Um, St. Rose Maria's thing would be that a material exterior order is usually a reflection of good interior order. But in reverse, exterior order can make you, help you make better use of your time. If you know where things are, if the place things are has a order and a structure to it, then you're going to use those things better. And you also used to note that tidying can be a small way of mortifying ourselves, because tidying on one level is unexciting. There is a sense of like making your bed, as I quoted earlier, that bit of achievement. I've checked that box. But it's not the most fun thing to do. Uh, it can be a source of mortification for ourselves, dying to ourselves by tidying. So examples from him, to keep your clothes well folded in the wardrobe, to keep your furniture in place so that he wouldn't leave the chair like that, it would be as it was tidily in place, as a way of living in an ordered, tidied world. The papers on your desk, to have them be tidy and ordered. Uh, the books on your shelf, to not have utter chaos, and you know, it's always as tidying my bookshelves this week and just realizing how the standard has somehow slipped further and further and further this semester as I get given another book and another book and um, order there almost always reflects order in how I'm in, in charge of what's going on. Have I planned, prioritized what I'm doing? The bookshelf very frequently shows that to me. I've planned the order in which I'm going to do those things, and the things even on the bookshelf reflect that. Okay, final example, um, an Opus Dei example. I s this is the final final now. Um, who is the last and the first person you greet in the home? Uh, I'd suggest the most important person. If you're visiting some house, you're going to greet first the person who's most important to you. That's the person you're going to want to see. Um, in Opus Dei houses, they always make a point. First thing they do when they enter, visit the Lord, greet him in the tabernacle. They wouldn't stop for a long visit, but in that in and out, uh, just simply come in, genuflect, acknowledge him. He's the master of the house. See him on your way in, see him on your way out. So if you go to Opus Dei houses, you'll see that they're all built and structured, so that's fairly easy to do. Um, that the chapel and the exit entrance is structurally near each other. Okay, summarizing all that together. Time, priorities, things. Um, that you need to have order in your time, order in your priority, and order in your things. With that, you need a plan. So St. Josemaria says, without a plan of life, you will never have order. Um, and this doesn't happen by accident. 
needs to be intentional, needs to be planned. And back to where I began, this is an maybe unexciting, but an ordinary path to holiness. Don't try and levitate like St. Joseph of Cappuccino. That's not, or it's unlikely to be any of our paths to holiness, but using good use of your time and your life, this is likely to be an ordinary path to God.